Thanks for tuning in to podcast number 18. Appreciate everybody taking the time to, to listen to these and, and to write in with a request. This, again, this, this podcast came off of uh, my request list. So, yeah, let's just jump right into it. There still is no intro music, uh, and there's also still no bullshit. So we're just going right to jump right into today's topic, which is why you should be watching professional road racing, road racing and, and what to look for when you're, when you're um, watching it. And this is, this is a fantastic subject for, for a lot of reasons, and, if you can, and you can kind of already feel uh, a little bit of my excitement with it. I just love, love to watch and spend a lot of time on uh, the MotoGP.com and also um, uh, the, the World Superbike sites as well as watching uh, the races live. So <clears throat> first thing is, is we want to support our sport. And let's just, let's just say it. Let's make sure everybody understands it. What's going to get our sport and grow it here in the United States is the manufacturers backing, backing us, right? The manufacturers putting the money back in racing. The manufacturers building new model motorcycles. The biggest factor for them to, to track that is, is the TV audience. And we need that TV audience to be able to, to support the manufacturers. So let's get everybody watching. Let's get everybody supporting our sport. Let's tell all of our friends about it. And honestly, why? Because it's a bitchin' sport to watch. Go ahead, watch Formula One or, or God forbid, watch NASCAR. And you know what? NASCAR is good for like about 12 seconds. Uh, and I yes, I've been to NASCAR road races as well. Um, and they're good for maybe 14 seconds. So, and of course, Formula One, very, very fun. But there's no... There's no personalization, right? When you when you watch motorcycle racing, how personal is it? It's look at his body language. You literally can see everything that he's doing. It's out there in the open for everybody, everybody to uh, to embrace. And so that's why we have got such a great a great thing to be able to watch uh, motorcycle racing and all the things that go along with it. There's so much there for obviously you to be entertained, but also for you to learn as well. So. <clears throat> I'm going to take you through a couple of things, and, and uh, one, we'll talk about um, why it's important to watch watch what the best in the world are doing, even though basically the last 17 podcasts that uh, I've talked um, all, all relate back to this, uh, but also how we kind of got started with this and how we've made it, uh, we've made it a bigger deal. And, and really where that starts off with is, uh, you know, I'm blessed to be able to work with Scott Russell and, and uh, you know, world champion, and a story with Scott that people may not know is, you know, Scott got started in the sport, um, basically street riding. And uh, we asked Scott, well, well how, who taught you? How did you learn? And he goes, well, nobody taught me. No, you know, nobody, nobody showed me anything. He says, what me and my buddy would do, though, is we would go rent Grand Prix videos, and they would watch the Grand Prix videos, and then immediately go out. They'd pick one thing, and they'd go out and try it. They'd go, and they do it on the street, which is not maybe the best environment to do it, but they'd go mess with it. They'd find a series of corners to, to do that. So Scott wasn't down there, you know, looking at the, at the local races. No, he, he rented Grand Prix videos, the best riders in the world, and that's what he started to emulate. And that segues really well into all the things that, that we talk about is, is um, wanting to replicate what the best in the world are doing. And I think that, again, it becomes a very, very important point is we want to do what the best in the world are, are doing because if there was a better way, they would do it. We, it's very easy to take something at the very, the very sharpest end of that point and scale it back down. It's very difficult to take something at the very dull, blunt end and try to scale it up. So 
we talk about those techniques being the same and it's just a different degree of application that changes and we'll get really we'll get into that quite a bit so <clears throat> we're gonna watch MotoGP we're gonna watch World Superbike we're gonna watch AMA Superbike we're gonna watch British Superbike all because if there was a better way they would do it it's the rider that rides the rider that completes the most fastest laps not the one the rider that has the most fastest laps that that wins the race so <clears throat> As we get into this, I also want you to think about some of the overlying um, thought processes, even with all of these podcasts, is I want you to start embracing something a little bit differently. Yes, I want to ride my bike too. I wish I was out riding today. And of course, there's a track day too. I should be out there today. But realize that how we learn is so important off the bike. I want you to think about separating knowledge objectives from skill objectives. Yeah, skill objectives are absolutely very, very important, right? How you actually um, operate the controls on the bike, how you use your brakes and your body and all that. But we are completely underestimating knowledge objectives in our sport. We need to understand our sport better. And this is part of it. And I'll give you a great example of that is uh, up here in Northern California, we've got a great tr track up here, Thunder Hill. Uh, if you're anywhere else in the United States or the world, you need to come ride Thunder Hill. It's an amazing, amazing track. And they've got one uh, a track that they just built a couple years ago. It's a little, little tighter west track. Well, Valentino Rossi shows up. Valentino Rossi's never been there. He rolls out of the pits, and guess what? Within, within 200 feet, his bike placement was already perfect. Why? Because that's the best way to do it. And when you see this, when you see these guys ride and you understand that, it makes, it makes the knowledge so much easier. And then when you go to apply that on the track, it's built in. It's already in your brain. You've already figured that out. So let's think about knowledge objectives versus skill objectives. We have to have those knowledge objectives, and this is part of build, building knowledge objectives. You'll hear a lot more from me in the future on that. So <clears throat> techniques, best in the world. When we're watching... First thing we'll talk about is, yeah, the, the riders are going to kind of ride a racing line. We've heard that before, a racing line. Well, what, what really is a racing line? It's the safest line is really what it is. If there was a better way to get around the track, they would run that line. So think about changing your thought process from the racing line to the safest line. That right there will, will actually stop a lot of issues that we have at track days and things like that. So racing line. Think about why, why are they doing that? If they're, because it's, it's the quickest way around the track with the least amount of risk. So the other thing when we start to take a look at these guys in the riding is their adjustability. How they adjust for all these different kinds of corners. <clears throat> and they're not approaching every corner the same. Why? Because every corner is not the same. Part of when you look at this is you'll see that, that some corners, for instance, on the entry, They'll open up the entry. They'll be on the white line. They'll be past the white line. They'll be on the curb when they enter the corner. Why? Because they can. The wider they can make the track, the more speed, overall speed they can run, or they can run that same speed with less lean angle. So, yes, they're absolutely going to run the most radius that they can. Nick Inotch has got a great way of saying that, right? Radius equals miles an hour. It absolutely, absolutely holds true there. But then when you look at that, you realize on some of the entries, well, wait a minute, they didn't use all the track on some of the entries. Well, well, why is that? And it's that way because the situation before or after that corner 
that's that's not necessarily where they're going to be traveling the most feet per second. So they'll absolutely open up the entries when applicable, when they have time to make it happen. Maybe the exit off the previous corner mattered more, and that's typically what, what the issue is. So the, the, the exit matters more so they can go into that corner a little bit lower. So start to take a look at that. What does that environment offer for them to be on that line? I, right there, right there we'll start getting your thought process a little bit different. What comes before and what comes after it? What math matters the most? Then we look at the overall picture, which is bike placement. And you've heard me talk about this in many, many podcasts, bike placements. And that really is what our sport is about. Pay attention to their bike placement. Pay attention to where the bike is slowed and pointed. And I'll pause. Slowed and pointed so they can accelerate. That's exactly what the sport is about. Another great example of that is even talking about our, our, uh, the difference in the Bridgestone <clears throat> to the Michelin tires this year. Bridgestone had an amazing front tire. Well, now Michelin does not have an amazing front tire, but they've got a better rear tire. Well, now our lap times are dropping. Our lap times are dropping because they've got more grip on the exit. Well, guess what? Now the lap time's gonna get better. The overall, the overall uh, race times are, are getting lower, right? Because they're going quicker. So, <clears throat> Look how they're placing the bike in a position to exit. Look at where their bike placement is. That, <clears throat> that right there, um, <laughs> getting you to understand that there's a place where the bike has got to be slowed and pointed so they can accelerate. Look how they respect that. Look how precise that comes. Man, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, some of, the, some of the racing that's been happening, I think um, uh, Lorenzo, oh gosh, I think it was the race before last, uh, he ran 23 or 24 laps within three tenths of a second, right? That's the kind of precision we're looking for. And yes, you may be a street rider. Yes, you may be, need to, you may be a track rider, but it's understanding that building those habits at the highest level and being able to trickle that down to you make a massive difference in your riding. Again, we want something that gets better as we add speed to it, not something that gets worse as we add speed to it. So, <clears throat> Bike placement. Let's take a look at that. Where's the bike slowed and pointed? So then as you start to watch more and more of these, more of these races, we've talked about the entry a bit, we've talked about the exit a bit, we've talked about bike placement a bit. And <clears throat> let's talk about a couple of other things. And one is a really fun one, which is, which is on board. On board, and you get to hear the engine and you get to hear all those things happening and how patient those guys are at the right time. Remember, I just said it. I just said there's a place where the bike has to be slowed and pointed so they can accelerate. Listen to it. You hear the, you hear the bike decelerate, and then you might hear the throttle pick up ever so gently, and the throttle will then open up fairly aggressively because you can open it up, up aggressively. Take a look at that. Look at the odd board. Look at where there's that millisecond. There's that, there's that slight adjustment where they use the controls, the most subtle, so they can accelerate for a longer period of time. Take a look at that. So on the onboards, look how patient they are. Pretty big deal there. Let's flip that around. Let's look at the times that they're not patient, the times that they rush the entry of the corner. That's the biggest, literally the biggest sins that you'll see. They'll rush in, they'll miss their apex, and two guys go underneath of them. Watch Moto3. You can go from third to 14th place in a blink of an eye by making a little bit of a mistake like that. So. <clears throat> Look and see where the mistakes happen, and look and see uh, what, the, what the result is of that mistake. 
And uh, the more that you slip back, the more missed apexes you might see, but very, very rarely are you gonna see some missed, yeah, see some missed apexes. That's something to look for. How many missed apexes can you see during that race? So <clears throat> another one that we can start taking a look at is where are they letting off the brake? Man, we've just got some fantastic onboard with Lorenzo and Iannone with uh, where they're letting off the brake. And you'll even see that with even with uh, um, some of the uh, Moto2 with Rins, watching them and seeing how they're using their hands. You'll see them go to the brakes fairly aggressively, especially with the carbon brakes, but how subtle are, the, subtle are they and how long are they using that brakes where the corner demands it. So start taking a look at that. How slow is their hand? How subtle are their applications right there, their degree of applications? So take a look at that as well. And <clears throat> another one that we can look at as we go through these races is body position. Man, you'll... And again, same technique, just a different degree of application. Is they all sit up on the brakes. They sit up. They sit up on the brakes to put themselves in a position to brake. As they turn into the corner, they're all going to lead with their forehead. They're lead with the forehead to weight the peg at the rate that they want the bike to turn. Here's where you can really see some individualism with that. Some riders are quicker. Some riders are slower. Some are a little bit more upright, but they're all doing it. And. <clears throat> This is where, um, especially some of the coaching that I do at, at a very high level, this is some of the intricate things that we really work on and, and because it matters more of how, they, how quickly they can get to the bike into the corner. So you'll see them step, you know, they'll step one, they'll sit up on the brake, step two, they'll, they'll literally bend at the waist, lead with that forehead, and turn the bike at the rate that they want the bike to turn. There's, there, <laughs> there's no flicking, throwing, tossing. Yeah, they'll turn the bike when they need to turn the bike from left to right as quickly as they need to, but they're really gonna get that tire loaded and, and be able to put a force into that tire by loading, a lot, loading it a lot slower than you think. So watch that body position. Watch how slow some of their initial movements are based on the radius of the corner. Again, all of that adjustability comes into play. Another thing that you can, you can watch, this is something that I really look at, is when do they have their knee on the ground? This is a big, big indicator for me, so I'll watch different riders go through the same corner. And when, <clears throat> when do each one of those riders have their knee on the ground? Fantastic indicator of how they're getting the bike turned and how they're getting weight off of their hands and how their traje trajectory is going to end up. So another one that you can look for as well. Differences between <clears throat> Moto GP, Moto 2, and Moto 3, again, they all have apexes, right? The slower the bike, the earlier the apex, but not much. It's not 40 or 50 or 60 feet. It might be 2 or 3 feet, 5 feet, 6 feet. But the slower the bike, the earlier apex will be. And they'll also be able to use some more of, that, <clears throat> more of the, the side of the tire as well because the bike makes less power. The big trick is getting it off onto that contact patch, the main part of the contact patch, which the main part of that contact patch, if you look at a tire, is when the bike is leaned over. It's not straight up and down. There's actually less contact patch straight up and down than there is with a little bit of a lean angle in it because the carcass is flexed. So MotoGP, yeah, you'll really see some very pronounced exits. You'll see, gosh, the Pedrosas, the Lorenzos. Look at much of Marquez doing it, especially Rossi now as well. Really make that pointed move getting the bike stood up on those exits. Moto2, a 
it's funny, you watch the Zarko and the Rins, those guys, they absolutely make that big move on the exits uh, because they want to get to the throttle. Moto3, not so much because the bikes don't make as much power, but they still have apexes. There's still a place where the bike's got to be slowed and pointed. So take a look at that. They and then part of it also, too, is how they get to their exit. You'll see... Um, You'll see the uh, the Moto three bikes, Moto two bikes use more of the track on the exit because they're going to make they're going to apex slightly earlier, right? And they'll be able to carry out more. And again, it's because the bike doesn't make as much power. You can look at AMA racing. You can look at World Superbike, and with the production based bikes, you're also going to see some differences there. You'll see those bikes take longer to turn and also have to be more patient in the middle of the corner. Another great another great factor that you can look at as well. So. There is a ton here to be, uh, to be done uh, by watching professional road racing. Um, one, you're going to help our sport out. We love that. You can start looking at the similarities between what all the best in the world are doing, right? They still have bike placement. They got to take away lean angle on the exits. They're all using their brakes. They're all using their eyes. They're all using their bodies. And now you can start to take a look at the degree of application within each one of those things and start using some cool report cards that, uh, that we're taking a look at. And... I kind of gave you some of those report cards and some of those things that you can look at and start looking at racing completely differently now. So super fun to do that. So let's work on your knowledge objectives. Let's think about this sport differently. Start training your brain off the bike. Oh my gosh, it makes it so much easier when you're out there, when you actually get that small amount of time, that small window of time to go ride. So there you go. You got something to mess with this weekend.